Hey, welcome everybody to Sunday Live and listen, this is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about, here it is, what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. So uh, we're going to see, what we're actually going to have, I'm going to present some facts of some things going on right now, but we're going to get into some really, really good news because we need to understand uh, more than just the wackiness that's out there in the news. Uh, but before we get going anywhere, uh, just a couple of praise reports. Um, it's very encouraging. Beth D says, my husband and I watch you every day and appreciate you and your guests so much. Uh, thanks for all that you do to bring truth. Thank you, Beth. Uh, Brian from Pennsylvania, Central Pennsylvania, South Central, said, I just wanted to say thank you. I fill in for my pastor when he occasionally asks me to preach on a Sunday or Wednesday evening. I'm always watching Hope for Our Times along with Pastor Billy and Pastor Brandon. I incorporate the teaching I'm getting from you guys to help me develop lessons and teach others in my local church about what is going on with current events. Your channel is reaching out in South Central Pennsylvania. Thank you from Brian. Brian, thank you for your encouraging words. Here's another one. This, this is the last one from Randy Thomas. Uh, says, thank you so much for hosting and putting on the Until He Comes Prophecy Conference. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, thank you, Pastor Tom, for taking a minute out of your busy schedule to allow me to introduce myself. So I know you had a lot going on. I've attended many prophecy conferences over the years, and this was one of the best I have ever attended. I go to Pastor Brandon's church, and I have been doing prophecy updates for the past 25 years at, here's the address if you want to check it out, prophecyupdate.com. Uh, thanks to you and all your staff that made it possible for all of us to be so blessed. Uh, Randy, thank you uh, for those encouraging words. And man, we need to encourage one another, I think. Uh, and all the more, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Hey, before we get going, I want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel if you haven't done so yet. Uh, on on uh, Facebook, if you're watching there, if you're not following yet, you can YouTube, you can subscribe, you can download the app if on the app or the website, also on Roku, and share this message too. But something else I want to encourage you to do is uh, hit the notification so you're notified uh, with the different messages that we have, and, uh, and it really helps us to stay connected with everybody. We appreciate uh, your feedback too. All right, so you guys ready to get going? We got a lot to talk about. And uh, so let's roll. As we look at it, I'm going to remind you of the title again because we're going to need to know. I'm going to put it all together as much as I can tonight in our time together. Here's the title again. What's going to happen when Jesus comes back? So that is what we are going to look, look, excuse me, look at. Uh, but I want to show you this first bit of news. It's uh, this first slide, slide number two for all of you that are out there watching. Here it is. Let's pull it up. There it is. July to be hottest month on record as UN warns of global boiling. All right, all right, all right. You look at this, and people say, Pastor Tom, why do you bring all the scary stuff out? You make it all so, uh, listen, I don't bring it out. We just say what they are saying. And what we say is you don't have to worry about this stuff. We're being lied to all the time. And uh, so global boiling, it went from, it's going to be really, it's global boiling. It's hot in Phoenix, Arizona. I don't, 
know for sure. Well, actually, I do know for sure. It's hot in Phoenix, Arizona every single summer. Last week, we talked about Death Valley. It's hot there. It's really hot there every single summer. That's why they call it Death Valley. The Dead Sea in Israel, guess what? It's really hot there every single summer. There are certain things I can predict without ever going to school to be meteorologists or weathermen or whatever. I can predict that it's going to be hot where I live every single summer. All right, let's go to this next slide, uh, slide number three. Uh, Jay Slay posted this, and uh, let's check this out. There it is. Socialism is precisely the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. In the new order, socialism will triumph via the infiltration of schools, universities, churches, and the media by transforming the consciousness of society. Doesn't that sound exactly like what we have going on right now? You better believe it. It's been a plan. It's been here for a long time. We must transform society. Okay, next slide. This slide I could have almost reserved for, you can't make this up Thursdays. Maybe I'll bring it up again. Pretty absurd. But this is what this shows you, how messed up uh, Christian, Christianity is today in America. There it is. You can see it. This is from End Time Headlines. Drag queen tops iTunes Christian chart music genre. Isn't that, I mean, you look at that and you got it. You, you say, this is just unbelievable. Drag queen, here's the story. There's a new unexpected name at the top of the Christian music charts. Drag queen Flamey Grant. So you play on Amy Grant. Flamey Grant's album, Bible Belt Baby, released in October, is suddenly the number one album on the youth on the iTunes Christian and Gospel chart. In addition, her song Good Day peaked at number one alongside the album for a period. You go, you look at this and you go, this is unbelievable. Listen, this is the state. Understand this. This is the state of Christianity in America. <laughs> you look, you go, wow. By the way, if you were unable to catch it, Seth Gruber filled in for me this morning. I was blessed to be at both services. Uh, he did two different messages, actually, first and second. Uh, right now on Hope for Our Times, the message from first service is posted there. It's outstanding. If you don't mind being offended and having, uh, and having the truth spoken to you, you're going you're gonna to be encouraged by the truth. Fantastic. Both messages were. We'll post the second one, uh, his second service, later on this week. But let me tell you, I encourage you to go there. Not right now, but when we're done here in just a little bit. All right. If things aren't weird enough out there, and believe me, we're going to get to some really good news here in just a minute. I promise you it's going to be great news. I'm going to show you a couple of very short videos about the same thing here right now. Just to show you, man, does, is this world messed up? Okay, ready? Uh, the first video that I'm going to show you is one that I showed on New Year's Eve, uh, just uh, December 31, 2022, in my uh, yearly prophecy update, my annual prophecy update, about this guy who thinks he's a dog, dresses like a dog, has a dog costume. It's pretty disgusting, really. Second video is an updated version. Apparently, he got some training, so now he's able to go out in public. So watch these two videos. This is just absolutely bizarre. It shows you how messed up this world is.
Okay, I mean, how do you respond to something this messed up? And we're, we're seeing more and more of this stuff going on. There's two things, mental illness or demons going around. I mean, well, what other, I mean, you look at this, it's amazing that there's people out there that actually think these things are really good and we should just be supporting. No, you gotta press against this wickedness and this is just, listen folks, this is messed up, all right? So what I wanna do now, we're gonna switch gears. We're gonna go into uh, a little bit of bad news, but also a, a lot of great news uh, we're gonna well, we're gonna have a lot of great news with a little bit of bad news. Let's put it that way. All right. So let's start off here. We're gonna talk about what's gonna happen when Jesus comes back. And if you've been a believer for a while, you've heard of something called the Millennial Kingdom. The Millennial Kingdom. We'll pull up this slide for you. Slide number six on the Millennium says this: the the Millennium, Webster's Dictionary, a right, the thousand years mentioned in Revelation chapter twenty, during which Holiness is to prevail and Christ is to reign on the earth. B, Webster's Dictionary, the millennium is a period of great happiness or human perfection. I look at that and I say to myself, that's not too bad of a description for what the millennial kingdom is going to be like uh, as the Bible describes it. Missed a little bit, says it's going to be human perfection. It won't be human perfection. We're going to see that. Uh, in, in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about what's going to happen. Um, what it, and the other day I had a question. In the Bible it says something about a, a, a baby living to be 100 years, a child living to be 100 years, and so forth. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into all sorts of things. We're going to talk about this. What is going on? What does the UN's Agenda 2030 have to do with the Millennial Kingdom and it might surprise you. Um, we're going to get into that too. And it's very interesting because the globalists, uh, the the um, UN, uh, the World Economic Forum, there's a scripture that they quote. They apply it to themselves. It's very weird. But we're going to look there in just a few minutes. So this is what we're going to cover. What is the millennium? Some uh, say it is a time of incredible peace, better than the utopian world that the globalists are trying to achieve. It's a time uh, where the Bible does teach that the wolf lays down with the lamb together, that children can play with snakes and not worry about being poisoned. Uh, a time when ge uh, geography, excuse me, is going to be significantly changed. So let's go with this first question. First question from uh, slide number seven is this. Where does the millennium begin? Where, excuse me, when does the millennial kingdom begin? Begin. Oh, I forgot to answer this. I got to answer this. First of all, what, what is the, let's go back here. The millennial kingdom, listen, it's a period of a thousand years. It's the time when Jesus returns to the earth and he rules and reigns from Jerusalem for that thousand years. In the first seven verses of Revelation chapter 20, 
We see six references to the thousand years. Bible scholars call this the millennium because millennium is a thousand or a thousand years, where, where the word comes from. Okay, now with that, when does the millennial kingdom begin? Well, it uh, begins here. Next slide, number eight. It begins, here it is, at the end of the tribulation period. Um, it's the time when Jesus returns, riding on a white horse with the armies of heaven with him. The ar armies of heaven are us, but we're more spectators than anything else. It's also a time when, second one you can see here, Jesus rescues the Jews and stands on the Mount of Olives and defeats the enemy at Armageddon, kind of combining all of those things, even though uh, the uh, Megiddo, uh, Mount Megiddo in the area of Armageddon, as Revelation chapter 16 tells us, uh, are separated by a long distance between Mount Olives and Armageddon. It's all going to be combined in the millennial kingdom when Jesus comes back. And it also is the time when Satan is cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Christ's victory over these enemies marks the end of the tribulation. It's the time uh, when his feet uh, hit the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives splits in two. Check this out. This is the next slide. Uh, from Zechariah chapter 14, what does the Bible tell us when Jesus comes back? And in that day, there it is, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. The Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of the mountain shall move toward the south. Now, if you've ever been to Israel before, in fact, if you've been there with me, or probably uh, other pastors that you know, teach this type of thing, they're willing to get into the truth of what the Bible says, that Jesus is coming back, and he's going to establish his kingdom here. Uh, you stand up there on the Mount of Olives, and it is really totally cool. Uh, from the Mount of Olives, the viewpoint. In fact, we're going in October, we're going again in March. From the viewpoint that you have, you're looking down across the Kidron Valley, and you see the Temple Mount there. You see the Gold Dome there. And, um, and you can picture Jesus is going to come back. He's going to stand there. The Mount of Olives is going to be split in two. It's going to split across the Kidron Valley. It's going to go the opposite way of Kidron Valley. So uh, with that, the, the Mount Olives be split in two, and then there's water that's going to run from the temple, flow from the temple, go all the way through that new valley into the Dead Sea. So, But Jesus is coming back. So let's read this and talk about the thousand-year millennial kingdom, because let me tell you, there is some great news. All right. So in Revelation chapter 19, Jesus comes back. He's on his white horse, and we who are with him, those who have been caught up to meet the Lord in there. We're in heaven with him. We have our new bodies. Uh, chapter 19 tells us that we have our wedding garments on. It's going to be cool. And we're on horses too. And, and uh, we're coming back. Jesus is leading. It says us this. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. It's the name that's written on his thigh. And verse 17 tells us of chapter 19. Then I saw John is writing. An angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, 
and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. This is just sounds so sick. What's with all these birds? Well, they're going to be eating. The Bible's talking about they're eating the flesh of all these wicked people who have gathered there in Megiddo, or the Jezreel Valley, actually, to make war against the Lord. It's not going to work. The Lord's going to destroy them with the sword that comes out of his mouth. Uh, so that's what's going to happen. But all these dead bodies are going to be there. The birds are going to eat them. Why the, are the birds going to have to eat them? I believe it's part of the cleanup process. Because if the bodies were just left there, oh, can you imagine? The, the stench that would flow from there be disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. But Jesus is coming back. The millennial kingdom is going to begin. And this is like the first part of the cleanup that happens. And it's the birds of prey. By the way, also something else I've done several times in going to Israel. You go to Nazareth. You stand there on the precipice at Nazareth. And this is one of the subjects I've talked about there with the birds of prey. Flying through Israel, through that Jezreel Valley. Uh, is just like millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of birds as they migrate through that valley every single year, going back and forth. And it's amazing. Also, you have the Hula Valley there. That's a preserve. And you have all these birds that, that have just flocked there. I can't remember the exact date that the Hula Valley was set aside as like a bird sanctuary um, as, as Israel, the swampland, was being clear, cleared up. And uh, you, f- you find this place where the birds are just multiplying like crazy. It's like God decided, or, or God knew. I mean, obviously, he just didn't decide this like three weeks ago. Uh, but he had planned this, planning the birds to have this migration center there, having babies like crazy, the birds flying through that Jezreel Valley, going back and forth. Uh, also interesting, I think it was 1947, maybe 1949. I can't remember, but it's somewhere around there. Right around 1948, when the Hula Valley was set aside as this bird sanctuary. Interesting, Israel's a nation began in 1948. And you'll even see that playing into uh, the birds of prey of Revelation uh, chapter 19. Also of Ezekiel chapter 39, by the way. Okay, let's move on. It says here, and I saw the beast, that be Antichrist, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him, who sat on the uh, on the horse and against his army? So the 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 um, antichrist, uh, you have the antichrist, the false prophet, and all these armies of the earth gathered there to make war against the Lord. It tells us and against his army, which is against us. Don't worry about it. Jesus is going to do all the fighting. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast. And those who worshiped his image, these two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Wow. Then I saw an angel coming down, chapter 20, verse 1, from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a while. So Satan's locked up. Antichrist and false prophet are thrown into the uh, fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever. But Satan, bound for a thousand years in this 
tells us here, this bottomless pit, bound for a thousand years. Just a few more verses. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Who's these who are, who are beheaded, right? Who are these who are beheaded for their faith? They didn't receive the mark. So these are those who come to faith in Christ during the tribulation, but they aren't deceived. They're not believers yet, but they become believers during the tribulation period. Tells us that they also are going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. That's pretty cool. But the rest, verse 5, of the dead are not, did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Who are the rest of the first part of verse 5? Those who died without Christ. They aren't going to live till the end of the thousand years. They're going to be resurrected for the great white throne judgment. All right, let me continue. And then, so that would be like a parenthesis. At the end of verse 5, it says, but this is the first resurrection. So we'll explain the first resurrection in a few more minutes. Blessed and holy is he who has his part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. So that is totally cool. Listen, this is going to be absolutely over the top when you start to think about it. All right. So let's get going. So when, let's go again, when uh, does the millennium begin? At the end of the tribulation, it's when Jesus comes back, right? He rescues the Jews, stands on the Mount of Olives and defeats uh, the enemy at uh, Armageddon, and it's when Satan is cast into the bottomless pit. By the way, um, with that, it appears that this is what happens. So Jesus obviously, chapter 16, put chapter 16 and 19 together. Antichrist and false prophet gathered at Megiddo. We know that from chapter 16. So when Jesus comes back, he's coming out of the sky, but many of my friends say he never sets foot, nor does his horse ever set foot in Jezreel Valley. He comes out of the sky, out of his mouth is the sword, sword to destroy all the armies of the world, right? False prophet and antichrist are captured, presumably by the angel, and uh, cast into the, the fire burning with brimstone forever and ever. But Jesus goes on to an area that um, Isaiah chapter 63, some say probably as described as Basra, where Jesus, his robes are dipped in blood. They're, they're just covered in blood. And could that be he comes to our Megiddo, comes to Jezreel Valley, defeats the armies with the sword out of his mouth. He, he's got blood-stained robes. But he also, as you continue to read Ezekiel chapter, or Isaiah chapter 63, appears he does quite a bit over there, also in the area of Jordan, Edom, and so forth. But he rescues... It's at that point where it appears he rescues the Jews who were kept safe, Revelation chapter 12, in the area of Petra. And then after that, he goes and he stands on the Mount of Olives. So it's all kind of, he comes down in a big soup, heads over there, rescues the Jews, and then stands on the Mount of Olives. Uh, it's the way that it appears as I uh, read uh, these things. All right, so first question was, uh, when does the millennial kingdom begin? Next question is, here it is, this slide number 10, what is the first resurrection? 
Uh, so what is the first resurrection? So there you guys can see it. So let's figure this out, as this also takes place after the tribulation and before the millennial kingdom actually begin. Okay, so to answer what is the first resurrection, uh, think of it like this. You can go to the next slide, number 11. It's uh, when Christ, let's think this way, Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. That happened 2,000 years ago, three days after he died on the cross. He was raised from the dead, uh, meaning he was raised from among the dead. Also, at the rapture, the dead in Christ will be raised from among the dead, right? In other words, as with Jesus, not all of the dead have been raised. Um, hence, when you look at verse 5, I said you could put that first part of verse 5 in parentheses, where first part of verse 5 says, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished, right? Those are those who died without Christ. They're going to be resurrected to the great white throne judgment. And then the third category, you can put the slide back up there, is um, believers who died during the tribulation will rise at the end of the tribulation and before uh, the millennial kingdom. So with that, all of this is the first resurrection. Okay. So think of it like this. Uh, check this out, slide number 12. Uh, check out this out. The first resurrection isn't a reference to time, but of who is resurrected. So this, so this is where we have this confusion that comes in. We think in our minds, okay, the first resurrection, that's the rapture. Other people, well, the first resurrection, that's just Jesus. And we forget, as you look at Revelation chapter 20, you go, well, wait a minute. The first resurrection covers, it's, it's Christ. And then you go right up on through to the rapture. And then right up on through, as we just read, those who died did not give their allegiance to Antichrist, got their head off, cut off during the tribulation period, says they're going to raise up and rule and reign with Christ also for the thousand years. They are all part of that first resurrection. Okay. All of these resurrections take place before the millennial kingdom. So in a nutshell, who are, who's part of the first resurrection? Real simple. If you think of it this way, not time like happened on this date, but who? It's all who are made righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ, which I believe means all of us who are believers right now. Uh, it's all the Old Testament saints. The Old Testament saints we're looking forward to Christ who was coming, the Messiah who was to come. Us who live right now look back at the Messiah who came. Those who lived during the time of Jesus, think of the disciples and Mary Magdalene and other people who came to faith in Christ. So they're the ones who lived during Christ. They were present. So Old Testament saints look forward to the Messiah. Saints today, a saint is a believer in Christ. Look back to what the Messiah has done. Those who lived at the time of Christ, they're looking to him in they were looking to him in that present time. All who are righteous in Christ are going to be resurrected. So think of it that way. I mean, the Apostle John, John the Baptist, Isaiah the prophet. Uh, you start going through the New Testament. You start looking at, you look at the Old Testament, the, those who are faithful to the Lord. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You start looking at this. You go, Joshua, you go, man, this is so cool. Being resurrected, you're going to live forever with them. That, it, to me, is uh, it's just really um, totally off the charts cool. Okay, 
Now we're going to get into some really, really cool things. And we're going to describe, I'm going to get through as much of this as I can, and, and then I'm going to get to your questions. I don't know if I'll be able to finish it all because there's a lot here. This is cool. Okay, you ready? So first one is this. Is number, uh, slide number 13 is this question. Here's the question. What will the millennial kingdom be like? What will the millennial kingdom be like? Well, I can tell you right now, this is what it's going to be like. Slide number 14 tells us what it is. Here it is. It's going to be Jewish. The millennial kingdom is going to be very Jewish. It'll be Jewish in character. It's not going to be settled, uh, centered in New York. It's going to be centered in Jerusalem. This book here is a Jewish book. The Old Testament is Jewish. The New Testament is Jewish. And I guess what? <laughs> Jesus, Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, um, Jewish. There's actually people out there who attend Christian churches that don't believe that Jesus was Jewish. They're so messed up in their theology and their Bible understanding that they don't have that they think Jesus was a Christian. No, Jesus wasn't a Christian. Uh, Jesus was Jewish. We have a Jewish Messiah, a, a Jewish book, Old Testament and New Testament. All things Jewish. Book of Revelation is Jewish. The millennial kingdom we're talking about, it is going to be Jewish. Jesus is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. Christianity, uh, the term Christian, uh, it, it was simply a mockery term that was given to those who were first daughter following Christ. Christ followers, they're part of the way. And the term Christian came from that. They're, they're like Christ, um, who's Jewish. The millennial kings are going to be very Jewish. There's going to be feast days that are going to be celebrated in Jerusalem. You and I, if we're believers, we're going to be traveling to Jerusalem. I'm telling you, man, this is going to be cool. I had John Haller on last week, and we were talking about when you go to Israel now and you get to go down to the Pool of Siloam, and pretty soon they're going to open up the processional road, the pilgrim road, that goes from the Pool of Siloam, Shiloach. It goes from there, takes you all the way up to the steps of the Temple Mount. You're like, oh, wow, I believe that that road's being ready because Jesus is coming back. And it's, it's just, to me, it's really exciting. All right. It's characterized by, uh, we're going to go from here. It's characterized by peace. Slide number 15, characterized by peace. Slide number 16, check out this verse here. He, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war any more. That is a quote from Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. Now check this out. Next slide, slide number 17. Man, we've gone through a lot of slides. Slide number 17, check this out. Here it is. This is a picture of a monument, the monument, that's uh, there in New York in the area of the UN. So read what that says. That's Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. I just read that. You guys get to see that. This is, what, this is what's happening with the UN, Agenda 2030, the SDG goals, Sustainable Development Goals, all these things that we see that are going on. The, the climate laws, the insanity of all this stuff. They're talking, I mean, the, the, the uh, UN saying we're at a global boiling point. It's no longer global warming, it's global boiling. 
the insanity. This is what they want to do. They take a Bible verse. They say, we want to remove God from memory. Think, think of Psalm chapter uh, 2. What happens? The rulers of the world gathered together, say, let us cast off his restraints from us. Huh. God, they, they, don't, they, they don't want God's word. They don't want this proclaimed. So what they do is, because the devil can't make up his own stuff. He has to steal. He's a thief. Remember that? He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. So they got to take the Bible. They take a Bible verse, and the UN applies it to themselves with Agenda 2030, with all of the globalists, with all this woke madness. We're going to fulfill Isaiah chapter 2. What are we going to do? We're going to judge between the nations. If you read between the lines, hey, if you can pull up that slide again with the UN's picture, the picture of the UN. So if you look at this again with that monument, check it out. So they are literally saying they're putting themselves in this position. Uh, the people of the world will beat their, their swords into plowshares. Why is that? Um, we will judge between the nations. We will rebuke many people. The people will beat their swords into plowshares and their spear ne- spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up the sword anymore. The whole thing. So they are applying this to their globalistic agenda. Folks, it is absolutely amazing when you think it uh, under the right understanding. Remove God from everything. Psalm 2. Look it up yourself. And you apply this, you go... Okay, now it all makes sense. Check out this one, not just, not just Isaiah chapter 2, also slide 18. It's from um, Micah chapter 4. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Still same application, right? But everyone shall sit under his vine, under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts is spoken. For all people walk each in the name of his God. But we will walk in the name of, of the Lord our God forever. Check it out. Leave, leave that slide up there for just a minute. So this is another, when you look at this, the globalists are saying, uh, we're going we're gonna to give you peace and safety, right? We hear that, right? We're going to give you peace and safety. We know then sudden destruction is going to come. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, we, we know that. Uh, the time is coming, like the days of Noah, where people will be buying and planting and building, sowing, right? So this is what these globalists are all saying. We're going to do this. No, God says, I'm going to do that. But look at that, verse 5. For all the people walk each in the name of his God. But he says, for us who know Christ, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Folks, God is going to fulfill these things. It is going to be awesome during that day. Everyone, we are going to sit in peace. It is going to be awesome. It is going to be incredible during the millennial kingdom. All right, check out the next one. Uh, Also, what happens next? So the world will be characterized by peace. Also, the world, check this out, slide number 19, uh, will be characterized by a happy animal kingdom. Who would have ever thought such a thing? A happy animal kingdom. Check it out. Next slide. Here it is. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5. What's it say? The wolf also shall, lie, shall dwell with the lamb. The leper shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an 
ox. Folks, to me, this is totally cool. I think of um, the area that I live in, right? There's snakes, there's scorpions, there's coyotes everywhere that eat your cats. There's just all kinds of stuff. And you think in the millennial kingdom, the snakes that are there are going to be absolutely harmless. A child can play with them. Uh, coyotes, coyotes, man, they're bad news. They're just, they're just trouble. And you think a wolf, the Bible tells us, will lie down with the lamb. Animal kingdoms, going, animals are going to get along with each other. And, and you, the, the tiger's not going to eat you. The lion's going to be, can you imagine having a pet lion just, hey, come on over here. I wonder, right, I'm going to just, you can think I'm kind of crazy for this, but I'm going to say it. You know, Dr. Doolittle, uh, you know, I grew up in the 60s going to school, the school age where you'd read Dr. Doolittle. It's pretty young. And Dr. Doolittle talked with the animals. There are many scholars that believe, biblical scholars believe, that the time that Adam was created, you had the animal kingdom, and, and, and Adam named the animals. And then God says, it's not good that man should be alone. The one thing he says, not good. Uh, it's not good that man should be alone. He needed to make him a helpmate because all of the other animals had male and female. And there's scholars that say, hey, quite likely, because sin had not yet entered, in, entered into the world, quite likely Adam was talking with the animals. He named all of the animals. Talking with, could you imagine that? Could you imagine during the millennial kingdom, we're actually communicating with them like that? Remember, if you're a believer in Christ now, we're going to have a new resurrected, a glorified body like the body that Jesus had. Our mind's not going to be corrupted. Uh, all, remember this, all of creation suffers because of the curse of sin of Adam and Eve. So you start looking and you go, could it be in the millennial kingdom? It'll be like that? I propose it could be. C.S. Lewis, uh, man, you look at some of the things he wrote about the trees and, and coming to life. I mean, you see some of the movies of things that he's written. The Old Testament tells us all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. <laughs> I mean, will that be happening in the millennial kingdom? Some of you right now are just appalled that I would think of such a thing. Listen, God is awesome. And he's going, the, the millennial kingdom, the millennial kingdom isn't even the new heaven and the new earth yet. This is just the millennial kingdom. And let me tell you, what we have to look forward to is off the charts I mean, just going to be absolutely off the charts. So when you look at the news and you look at all the madness of the stuff that's going on right now, listen, if you're in Christ, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be afraid. Uh, this is the direction everything is ultimately going. So be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Don't be manipulated by the fears of all of the insanity that's out there. Man manipulates by fears. But... Uh, Proverbs chapter 29 says, The fear of man is a snare, but it's the Lord who keeps us safe. So you don't have to be afraid. Uh, we're pressing forward. We are moving forward uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, it is going to be off the charts. Totally awesome. And I can say awesome here because this is God that's doing it. All right, want to see what else happens? Let's go to the next one. This will be number 21. Uh, the world will be characterized by justice. Characterized by Justice, Man, this is really, really uh, good news. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, the Bible tells us, I think it's in chapter 8 of Ecclesiastes, that because the sentence isn't carried out speedily against a crime, the criminals think, I can do whatever I want. We see that happening. Wherever they say you got to go soft on crime, what happens? Crime escalates. 
There's no justice, right? Check this out. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. You can pull up this slide. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Uh, this is justice. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. For me, I'm delighted to know that the Lord is going to bring justice. I look at what's happening against children. There's this uh, movie out now, Sound of Freedom. And listen, if you paid attention at all, that should not be a surprise to you. Revelation chapter 18 is very specific, I believe. Let me see which, what verse it is. Uh, it is verse 13, New King James Bible. One of the things of merchandise is the bodies and souls of men. You look at other versions, it'll tell you uh, slaves, you, uh, trafficking. And you look at this and you go, that's, God says, I'm going to judge them. And people are saying, that's not really happening. What a bunch of liars they are. These, these things are happening. Kids are being trafficked. Uh, young people are being trafficked. Uh, boys and girls, it is absolutely horrific. Millions of them. God's going to bring justice. He's going to do it. He's going to bring, uh, bring an end to all of it. I praise God. You want to know what else the world's going to be characterized by? It's going to be characterized by unity, by unity. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people for the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. There will be no more war. There will be no more holocaust. There will be no more wickedness. It is going to be awesome. There's going to be unity between Gentile. There's going to be unity between Jew. There's, uh, and by the way, anybody that's not a Jew is considered a Gentile, just so you're wondering. So you, you look now and you see the lack of unity. You even see a lack of unity within the church. Totally terrible. But you see a lack of unity uh, the, uh, between all these uh, Muslims, Christians, Jews, atheists, uh, the globalists hate us all, at least hate, uh, hate Christians. And you start looking at these things, but in Christ, in Christ, there's going to be unity forever and ever and ever and ever. I think that is really, really cool. You're going to get along with each other. Uh, it was J. Vernon McGee who said something like this, to live below, to live above with saints we love, that'll be the glory. But to live below with saints we know, that's another story. <laughs> There's going to be unity. Uh, next one, the world will be characterized by abundance. Check that out. Characterized by abundance. Isaiah chapter 35. Verse 1 and 2, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. I think this is really cool. I'm going to go, only going to do one more tonight after this. But check this out. It says there, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. Could the desert sing? Could the rose sing? 
Is that possible? Listen, I don't see why not. I think sometimes we are so limited in our understanding of how incredible God is in all of his goodness and all of his grace and all of his mercy and in all of his creation that we are experiencing. All the creation experiences the curse. Could it be? The trees will be singing. I know some of you are saying I'm nuts. You're probably going to go and talk to a friend of yours that's a theologian. So he doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah? Well, why don't we just wait until we get there and then see? And if I could bet you and win a bet in the millennial kingdom, I bet you right now. But that's not going to work out. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, you look at this. We were driving in this, this past winter. We're driving through the Palm Springs area. It's not too far from here. And it rained so much in Southern California this past winter that we were driving down one of the main roads, and for the first time ever, I saw flowers. My wife and I were driving through there. There's flowers all over in the worst, driest part of the weather. Where right now they're experiencing 110 to 115, 118 degree temperature. I've, I've never seen it blossom like that ever before. Might not again until the millennial kingdom, but the desert is going to bloom. It's, it, with joy, and singing, to me, that is absolutely amazing. All right, this is the last one we're going to do uh, for, um, for uh, this message. I think I'll finish part two next time. Uh, we're going to get into it, tie in all these different things because it gets even better from here. Uh, we'll also get back to Daniel. Just took a break from Daniel tonight because I felt like we needed some good news. And so talking about the millennial king. So the last one is be characterized by Healing, characterized by healing. Check it out. What's that? Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5 through 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Friends, that is so cool. Some of you might be suffering from infirmities right now, or uh, could be blindness, could be deafness, could be you're, you're unable to walk, or you're just in chronic pain, or whatever it is. Listen, here's, here's something to think about. I've talked with people before that are in chronic pain, and they hear about the millennial kingdom and what it is, and they go, all right, you mean that I get to go to heaven, but then I have to come back here? And they're going, I don't want to come back to this planet. This place is a mess. I'm in pain and the whole place is a mess. No, 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 no. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be, uh, uh, friends, it's going to be amazing. The geography is going to change. We'll get into that next week. The geography is going to change. Uh, the area around Israel is going to be like the Garden of Eden. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And during the, the, the tribulation period, mountains are going to be flattened. Islands are going to disappear. But you want to know what? The cleanup work with the birds of the prey, we already saw that in the beginning of the message. They're going to start cleaning up everything. And I believe during that gap that you read about uh, in Daniel chapter 12, where you have a period of time, 1,260 days, blessed are those who make it to the was 1,335 days, I think it is. Um, there's a, I believe we're, the things are going to be restored. There's going to be a judgment of the, the goat nations, uh, the sheep or the believers are going to be populating the planet. But it's this time period that's going to take place in the cleanup of the planet. And things are, we're going to we, have our new bodies. 
I believe we're going to be part of that work with the Lord. It's going to be pretty cool. We're going to be in Jerusalem. We're going to be wherever it is that the Lord sends us. We're going to see the processional road. It's going to be so totally off the charts that, I listen, I, I can't wait. And we're going to be in no pain because we're going to have healing. We're going to have our new body, new, new brain, new eyes, new ears. We're not going to have the temptations of this world. We're not going to go, oh, my aching back. No more cancers. No more... The, no more sickness. We aren't going to have that. We are going to have our new bodies. I, let, I have a lot more to say about the millennial kingdom, but I'd like to get your questions before I do. Can I pray? Lord, we thank you for your ministering and your word, and I ask for your joy for everybody that watches this, whether it's live or later on. I lift them up to you. I pray that you help them, encourage them, to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of their faith. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get to your questions. Fire them off. I got, I'm, I'm looking, we got people all over that are able to send questions, and I am ready. So, got them? Start sending them. So, oops, oh no, how do I pull this? Oh, I gotta turn this. Give me just a second here. There we go. Now I can see them. Okay. Christine S., no pain. Question. Will there be sacrifices at the temple in the millennial kingdom? Man, that is a great question, and the answer is real simple. Yes, there will be sacrifices during the millennial kingdom. And, and so that goes to the next question. Well, why? If Jesus comes back, well, the Bible teaches it. Maybe we'll get into that in more detail uh, next Sunday. Um, and I wanted to get to the 100 years, the child living for 100 years, didn't get there tonight. We'll get there next Sunday. But when you look at it with the sacrifices, this is what I believe is going to take place. During the millennial kingdom, the people who, who received Christ during the tribulation period, but they didn't die. They didn't get their heads cut off, right? Revelation chapter 20 talked about those who have their heads cut off. They're going to resurrect and rule and reign with Christ, all right? So during the millennial kingdom, though, people who received Christ and didn't get caught by Antichrist or his people, they survived the tribulation period. They're going to be the sheep, the believers, not in a glorified body. We're going to have a glorified body. They're going to have a body just like they have now. Uh, so let's say you have a, a friend named Fred, and Fred doesn't want anything to do with Jesus right now. Fred goes into the tribulation period. You get raptured. He goes into the tribulation period. He thinks, uh-oh, my friend Bill told me about the rapture and Jesus and everything. During the tribulation, he gets saved. He doesn't get caught by Antichrist. He runs out there into the wilderness. Nobody can catch him for seven years. He's out there. He doesn't get the mark of the beast. He gets saved. Fred is going to be of the sheep. He's going to populate the planet. Fred's not going to have his new body. He's going to look just like he does now, but seven years older with all the trials and tribulations he's going to be going through. His hair is probably going to be really gray and all that other stuff. But he's going to populate the planet. If he had a wife that also was a believer, it's a husband-wife relationship, they're going to have kids. Although they're believers, their children are going to need to become believers. The gospel's going to be preached during the millennial kingdom. My friend Don Perkins says, hey, there's going to be Bibles during the millennial kingdom. Why? Because God is full of grace and mercy. People are going to need, every person that's born during the millennial kingdom is going to need to become a believer in Christ, just like we do now. And the sacrifices in the temple, I believe, are going to be a reminder of the, the horrific sacrifice of Christ. Because we're going to see Christ. 
right? He's going to be ruling and reigning Jerusalem. But the animal sacrifices are going to be a witness to all those who are born during the millennial kingdom about sacrifice. And with Jesus there too, they're going to be without excuse. They're going to be without excuse. And they're going to need to come to Christ. They're going to have us. They're going to have their grandparents who believers. They're going to have the gospel. They're going to have Jesus ruling and reigning from Jerusalem and the sacrifice. They're not going to have any excuse. So the sacrifices uh, will be going on. Uh, Wanda Johnson, what will our new bodies be like? I tell you what, I've done a whole message just on what our new bodies are going to be like. Uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he basically says, our bodies are going to be like Christ's body, glorified. It's going to be amazing. I believe we're going to walk through walls. Uh, we're going to, again, we're going to have new minds. Um, what um, Will we recognize each other? I have no doubt that we're going to recognize each other. Uh, we're going to know as we are known is what the Bible tells us. So we're going to have a knowledge. We're going to have an understanding. I think also we're probably going to look similar to how we look right now. Hopefully I'm a little bit thinner, a little bit taller. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I believe there's going to be short people, tall people. There's going to be all different sizes of people, every different color, out of every tribe, nation, tongue, and people, Jesus saves. We know that, right? So there's going to be all these different races in heaven. Uh, Christianity isn't for this particular race of people or that particular race of people. None of that nonsense. There's none of that. And uh, we're going to, I think we're going to, um, we're going to have all these different looks and it's going to be so cool. We aren't going to be like cookie cutters. I think people get this idea that in heaven, everybody's going to look the same. That would be weird. That, you know, did you know that Klaus Schwab, he said, come 2030, he wants everybody in the world to have a uniform. That's how the devil wants you to do it. God doesn't do that stuff, right? He wants everybody in the world to have a uniform. I had that story up here for you guys a few weeks ago. You think, no, that's the devil stuff. No, God saves out of every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. Our bodies also... Uh, we're going to eat in heaven. We know that. There's the, the tree with the 12 different fruits for each uh, different fruit in a season. What, what's the fruit going to taste like? I don't know. But the implication there from Revelation thinks chapter 22 is that there's 12 different seasons in heaven. Well, how on earth could that be? There's only four seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. How could there be 12 different seasons? Our minds can't fathom it. Just like we can't fathom a color that doesn't exist. There's certain things um, that we just, we just can't. Our, our, our minds are, are limited. But I grow fruit trees. I grow peach trees and apple trees and fig trees, just all different kinds of fruit trees. I just like doing it. And um, with that, I know each tree bears fruit in its season. So I have summer fruit, spring fruit, uh, fall fruit, I've apples. Uh, you have different kinds of apples and oranges can grow in different regions in different seasons. But you have four seasons, right, for fruit and vegetable growing. Well, in heaven it says there's 12 different fruits, and it appears for the different seasons. So you look, you go, um, could there be 12 seasons in heaven? So you start looking at everything, and our bodies think we're going to be able to eat. So our bodies... Like, I think, man, if I have a donut, oh, I love donuts, can't eat them because they totally mess me up. I love burritos, too. I do eat them probably too much. Um, so uh, 
the, um, yeah, look at this and go, man. All right, Michelle asked this question. Michelle Lowe. I, I try reading the Bible. I get so sleepy and yawn constantly. <laughs> ah, no kidding, Michelle. I also don't understand what I am reading. How do I read if I can't make sense of it? That is from Michelle. Michelle, that is a great question. All right. First of all, one of the reasons why God has raised up teachers, make sure they are biblical teachers going through the Bible to help you understand. Listen, a few different things to keep in mind. I bet if I asked out there a show of hands, which I can't see your hands, how many of you start to get tired and yawn every time you open up your Bible, you sit down to read, it's like, right? Probably when you pray too. Listen, we're in a spiritual battle. So get that into your head. We're in a spiritual battle and that's gonna happen. People can stay awake for every. It's like scripture memory, right? People can memorize stupid songs from 40 and 50 years ago. Uh, they can memorize commercials. Uh, they can, all these different things. It comes to memorizing a verse in the Bible, it's like, hard. Why can't I remember this? All right. So first off, Michelle, you're in a spiritual battle. Secondly is get a good Bible teacher that you can trust and go through their Bible studies. We're in the book of Acts right now on Sunday morning. Uh, we'll be done with that series in the book of Acts soon enough. I've taught many different books in the Bible myself. So have some of my colleagues and, and uh, we try to only promote good teachers uh, here um, but when you, you um, look at it, it's, it's the Bible can be a little bit daunting at times. Uh, for myself, I use helps. I've used helps as long as I've been a believer. I've been a believer for 35 years, almost 36 years. But I've used helps, commentaries. You got to know if you got good commentaries, you have Greek uh, help, uh, books to help you through Greek. You have Hebrew dictionaries to help you through Hebrew uh, so you have these different things that are available to you, Michelle. And also, the book itself, we need to know this. The, the Bible itself tells us, New Testament, that the word is spiritually discerned. So you can't, uh, it's impossible for a person to un really understand it to the extent that they need to understand it um, if they are not ministered to by the Holy Spirit. So... Um, uh, uh, you've got to be a believer, number one. Uh, second, or the Holy Spirit must be calling you. Um, I was reading some things from a gentleman who's all over the news, very, very well known, one of the most popular that's out there. He's not a believer in Christ. Uh, he's Episcopalian. But he said he just read the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it's, starting, it's making sense to him in a way that he, he never thought of before. The Holy Spirit's likely drawing him to that place of revelation. Um, and so you have that to be able to understand. Un but knowing that it is a spiritually discerned book, as the Bible itself tells, spiritually discerned book. So before you read, this is what I encourage you to do. Play a little bit of worship music. I don't mean the annoying music that is out there right now that some people say is Christian. Like the one I pointed out to you earlier, here it is, topping the charts. What it is, drag queen tops iTunes Christian chart music genre. There's garbage that's out there right now in the Christian music world. But there's some great songs, great hymns, great, uh, just really ministering that are truthful with our tune that will minister to you. And I do that often. I need a couple of songs that I can just worship the Lord. And I always have to pray for Lord, clear my mind and help me to see what you have for me 
right here. And also to help you to not fall asleep, there's audio Bibles. Anytime we can get the Word into our mind, it is going. the Word of God will wash our minds, Ephesians. It'll wash our mind. And when I first became a believer, I was totally messed up with all the drugs I did and the lifestyle I lived and everything else. Back in the 1980s, that cocaine world, you know, and everything, other things that went along with it. And in that time, I, um, uh, my mind was so messed up. I, I just needed the Word of God to wash my mind. I didn't have an audio program back then, but I did have worship. And I remember this. Uh, with David and Saul, Saul was tormented by an evil spirit, the Bible teaches. David would come along and play his harp, and Saul would be soothed. And I remember I just needed good music to calm me, and I could get a clarity of thought uh, going into my mind. And you know what? Don't read too much of the Bible. Sometimes some, some Christians, I think, they put themselves into a legalistic time, uh, a legalistic uh, frame of reference in their mind where I've got to get through 10 chapters this morning or I'm not holy enough because somebody told them you have to do that. Listen, sometimes I'll read chapters upon chapters just sitting down. Other times I read two paragraphs. And in those two paragraphs, God has so ministered to me, I, I'm able to connect all these different things that God is showing me. Sometimes it's only two paragraphs. And don't overdo, don't overdo things to the point where you don't get it, you don't, you, don't, um, uh, you're, you fall asleep and that kind of thing. Allow the Lord to minister to you. Listen, I got to get to the rest of this next Sunday evening on our live because there's a lot more here. Then we'll get back to Daniel. I have two guests coming Monday and Tuesday during the live. You aren't going to want to miss it. Have some great programs coming for you. Also, this Friday, we're, we have our first message. We're doing apologetics, how to defend your faith, starting this Sunday. Why, uh, how, how to explain what I believe. Why do I believe what I say I believe? Um, so tomorrow, okay, you ready for this? Here's my guest. Tomorrow, Alex Newman, right here. I'm so excited that Alex is joining me. Uh, and um, Tuesday... On Tuesday is Zach, uh, Wretched Watchman. We have a great Monday and Tuesday. Uh, you're going to want to make sure that you join us. And God bless you guys. Look forward to seeing you Monday and Tuesday throughout the week. Again, this Friday, we have our apologetic series that's finally starting. I can't wait. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.